Welcome to the Rose Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and this is the podcast where we talk about being an athlete and life after sports. In this episode, me and Haley, the co-hosts, talk about the UCLA versus OU softball game and how the OU swings were so level, how they were able to hit those high pitches so easily. And that means we're going to talk about the launch angle swing versus a level uh, swing that's going to produce backspin. And we bring that into how we do our pitching lessons for softball. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to talk about what Rose Metal is and how you can support us. So Rose Metal is a nonprofit with the mission to provide resources and support to current and former athletes. Those resources could be helping an athlete find a new hobby outside of their sport, a scholarship to find a career after competing, mental health resources, and that could be for a current or a former athlete, anything along those lines. So ways that you can support us. We have a store. Check out our store at rosemetalfoundation.org forward slash athlete apparel. We have some cool stuff in there. We have t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, phone cases. I'm wearing a athlete astronaut hoodie right now. It's super comfortable. All of the proceeds go towards the mission. That's a really good way that you can support us. You can also make a donation at rosemetalfoundation.org and you can share your story with us. Be on the podcast. Share your story. Um, Also on the podcast, we do interviews and we just talk about topics just like this one. This episode is just a topic in sports, but we also do interviews where we share people's stories. You can catch us on social media, on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram at Rose Metal Foundation, and on Twitter, we are at Rose Metal Org. One last thing before we get into it, please share the show, rate and review it. That would be super helpful. Okay, we're going to get into it now. Thank you. Welcome to the Rose Metal Podcast. I'm Emily Rose, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley. Hello. Hello. Last week, we had a podcast um, that I had with Riley as the co-host, and we talked about um, we talked about UCLA taking over the number one spot in rankings, and that was a few days before Oklahoma smashed UCLA in the Mary Nutter tournament. We're talking about softball, by the way, and um, we're just here to talk a little bit about how that game went, and obviously Oklahoma is now number one again, um, but first thing I wanted to mention is I have pitched against Oklahoma hitters and I've never been run ruled because I knew that they had a certain type of swing. And I'm looking at the pitches that UCLA threw against them. And first of all, we got to know that they have video technology that they can study these pitchers and know that they're throwing rise ball. Well, they love the rise ball. And if there's no drop ball to pair with it, um, which they might have thrown drop ball, but it has to be really on. But from the pitches that I saw from your TikTok, Haley, that you posted, those pitches had way too much plate and they were at like such a great height to just, just hit, just smash out of the park. Yeah. And I honestly, I mean, most of the time with those pitches, because they were really high, even though, even though they're a little bit over the plate, most teams are not going to hit those. Right. But you can't, like, like you said, you have to be really on when you're playing an offense as strong as Oklahoma. And if your stuff isn't pretty crisp, you're going to have to hope that your team can outscore them. Yes. 
Yeah, I feel like the reason why I didn't have a ton of runs scored on me was because I was able to mix it with a drop ball and a change up. I had rise, drop, and change with them. Yeah. And also I had a really good defense, but um, because my average strikeouts against any other team was like over 13 a game. And then against OU, all of a sudden it's like eight strikeouts in 10 innings. (laughs) Yes, it was always 10 innings. (laughs) Yeah, it was always 10 innings. But um, And it was less strikeouts per inning. And I feel like it was because – I had a good defense and I, um, I was able to produce more pop-ups and ground balls through the mixture of the up and down with a, with a speed change. Yeah. Speed change, I think is really big, even though they are really good at adjusting, you can really only do so much whenever you're looking up and down and like slow and fast, you know, it's just difficult, but yeah, I also like, it was very rare for me to throw a ball at a height where I felt like they could hit it. Like I tried to keep it on the corners. Yeah. I feel like UCLA was putting the the ball a little to an easy height. Yeah. And I, and I think it kind of goes to a little bit, I mean, Megan Faremo, the pitcher that they started for, for Oklahoma she had just pitched a no hitter against Florida, which was who was in the top five, if not the top 10. And I mean, not making excuses, but I think that the staff for USCLA is not as deep as it is for Oklahoma. So Megan might've been a little bit less crisp as she normally is. I know she's a great pitcher, um, but coming in after throwing a complete game shutout against Florida, just not being as crisp or maybe just a little, a little off for game. Cause this is the last day of that tournament. Yeah. I mean, all these factors do play into it, but that's how, that's how the game is. You have to kind of overcome them, but I know she'll have to learn from that game. Yeah. And honestly, I see Megan Faramo as a role model. Like I use quotes from her and her actions and everything in my lessons. I talk about her all the time and i like I want to be like her honestly she is amazing and um she has such a championship mindset yeah she's pretty legit I love I mean she carries herself really well and even even during that game she did a good job of kind of still trying to keep herself in the game I do think that you know they had been playing really well obviously they had lost a game um until that point so I know I know they're going to be pretty well. I'm sure they'll end up playing Oklahoma again later. So it's still really early in the season. So they probably, it's possible that they didn't want to show Oklahoma all of her pitches right now. And they didn't want to keep her in too long. So they don't see her pitching too much. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Because they'll probably see each other again in the postseason. Yeah. Because losing to Oklahoma, I mean, yes, the only thing they lost is their number one spot, but yeah. they're number two. So RPI wise and whatever, they're still going to be in postseason and whatever. So they have no reason to, to show Megan as, as long as they probably would have liked to, to win yeah. the game. Um, how many runs did they score on Megan before they pulled her? Ooh, I, 
don't have that info right in front of me. Okay. Um, because I asked that because every time we played against Oklahoma, the rule was if they score three, then I'm out. Because, well, one, we don't want to get smashed. Two, that would affect my ERA. Yeah. And that's I think like, it was like that with most bigger teams that we were going to potentially face in postseason because I, I believe there's a couple different SEC teams we would play for midweeks that I, I, I feel like that same rule was applied. Yeah. So. Yeah, so they probably did some sort of limit on her too. But yeah. I just wanted to talk about like how UCLA was just, you know, the height might have been good if they brought it in a little bit more or yeah. – the the movement would have been good if it was at the knees. Like it, you can't against regular teams or teams that just have different swings. You might get away with with you know throwing it over the plate a little bit more or throwing it at that height. But with at Oklahoma against Oklahoma, they're gonna they're gonna be all over that. Yeah. Yes, and that goes right into their philosophy on hitting, and I think they've kind of stayed true to themselves you know, even through this kind of new era where we're looking at analytics and and just breaking down every little thing, which I just, I personally don't like very much. I think you can learn a little bit from statistics, but I don't think you should shape your swings around them. And Oklahoma's goal, even when they they won their first of this dynasty that started it, it was always doubles, you know? Yeah. And those doubles turn into home runs when you hit a ball like just maybe a little bit more underneath the middle. But their goal was kind of hit those doubles. And if you miss hit it, they'll go out. Yeah. So they're not swinging necessarily for home runs. I think there's a couple transfers um, on the team now that have a little bit different swings. And I think you can tell because for the most part, Oklahoma hitters look pretty similar. They're all down in their legs and, you know, they have a certain load too. Um, then I worked personally, I worked with the former Oklahoma hitting coach that coached, you know, Lauren Chamberlain era, um, Trip McKay, who is now the head coach at Kennesaw state. And I mean, it was one of the most enlightening hitting lessons that I've ever had because he had, he had broken it down pretty scientifically he's one of he's he's one of those guys that likes numbers but it was essentially an angle downward through the ball to create backspin and backspin as you know because you throw a rise ball continues to go up it carries it it keeps its momentum and that's kind of what he was going for and you can see even in their on deck swings most of the time even maybe less now than they did before. You can see them do this big chop swing kind Mm -hmm. of, and it's because they know when you're swinging hard, that levels out a lot more. So sometimes I feel like people kind of hate on it a little bit, but they don't realize that it's like, you're emphasizing this because you know that when you do this, something else is going to happen. So they have to think stronger top hand when they're going slow so they know that it's going to stay strong through extension in the actual swing, which is why they're getting into these higher pitches. With launch angle, 
for swinging for a certain launch angle, you're essentially kind of dropping the barrel early and kind of lifting that front elbow up and, you know, extending upward rather than kind of through the ball. And what happens with your barrel when your hands go up? Your barrel goes down and then you're going to miss under that rice ball unless you just have like a really, really athletic ability to kind of bring your hands up. It's way harder to fight gravity going up than it is to go with it coming down. And I feel like they've mastered that ability to come down through the ball, use science in the way that it should be. And they've obviously been successful with it. So I feel like more teams need to be looking at that and breaking that down and doing what's been working for the team that's been dominating everybody for the last, what, let's say, what, three, four years at least? Yeah. So if you think about the path of a pitch, a rise ball starts at a certain height and then it goes up towards the end. Then... (laughs) You're at the plate while the the ball is going up. You're going to want your barrel to be on that path as long as possible to have more, uh, more of an, a statistic to statistically chance yes. to hit the ball. And so if your barrel is on that path for the longest time possible, then you might have a chance of hitting a rise ball. And when a rise ball is spinning backwards, it hits the barrel. It's also going to spin backwards off your bat too. So you're going to be hitting a line drive and it's probably going to be hit hard. And when it's hit hard, you're going to get that spin up. And um, that's where the line drives turn into home runs. But the launch angle, the reason why that's so hard to hit a rise ball is if you think of a drop ball, the path is coming at a certain height and drops down with gravity. And it also drops even further than gravity. And if you have the launch angle, it's really good for a drop ball because your barrel is going up with that path. But then if you're you're going against a rise ball pitcher, which any elite pitcher can throw a rise ball, you are trying to get lucky with where the barrel crosses paths with that rise ball. Yeah. It's almost like you're making an X. Like if you're dropping your barrel, you end up making an X with the path of that ball. And I, one of the things um, coach McKay talked to me about, um, and I was never somebody that really dropped my hands and swung up, but it was going into that high pitch. He's like the higher the pitch, the bigger angle downward you have to think because your body naturally wants your hands to drop. Like the gravity's pushing down on you and you have to fight it by thinking of a bigger angle. In all reality, it's not going to be as big an angle that you think it is. Uh, His number was a three degree down. Now, obviously I'm not doing math in my head when I'm swinging, but by thinking be strong top hand go down through the ball it's it made high pitches so much easier to get to yeah stay with and I know that I I hit a couple higher even a high outside pitch for a home run and I remember the announcers talking about it It was like she just threw her hands at that you know and, and stayed through it and it was an opposite field home run and I think high outside or anything high is a little bit harder. 
you see it less these days sometimes because of that like this is philosophy changing yeah if you if you are doing a launch angle swing then you're probably going to find success against a drop drop ball pitchers and you're probably going to get out from pop flies if you if you have the back swing you can still hit the drop ball um but you also can't you'll you'll have an easier time throwing uh, hitting a right ball and if you're that's the thing for softball pitchers is to throw rise ball because that's harder to hit people who don't understand the back yeah I feel like to giving being someone who gives pitching lessons that there's been a lot of success in the younger age groups of pitchers just locating a fastball up and people thinking it's a rise ball because they can't hit it. Right. So that tells me that we are not developing these players at the younger age to be hitters. Like, I mean, and let's just picture this swing that we're talking about as far as launch angle is something maybe a little bit more like Aaron Judge, which – when you look at him, he's what, six foot seven, six foot nine, I don't even know. He's huge. And he's able to do that because he's a freak of nature. He can literally muscle a ball out of the park. So the way he swings, and I posted about this about pitching the other day, is that some people are really good despite their mechanics. Like some people just are different breeds of humans and they're able to do things that other people aren't. And it frustrates me that we have coaches of eight, nine, ten year old girls trying to have them lift the ball as if they're not eighty pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's just I mean, when you're when you have a prime example in Oklahoma that's not doing that. Yeah. It it just drives me crazy because I also give hitting lessons and they come in and then all of a sudden, you know, I just, I just kind of, biggest thing that I can show them is that I tell them to come to contact and then I try to resist them and I, I make them try to pull up like they would in their normal swing. And then I try to tell them to push down and they can immediately see which one's stronger. Like obviously yeah. coming down, you're going to get way more power. Just like you wouldn't chop a tree by swinging the axe down under and then coming back up. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and you see success in the launch angle on teams that that can really muscle it. Teams that that have a drop ball pitcher on their staff that they can practice it against. And and those pitchers, drop ball is a naturally harder pitch because you're working with gravity. So when you have a hard pitch, you're going to get a hard hit also. Yep. Um, And I think, too, when you're – when you have that philosophy of kind of hitting home runs, you really rely on just being on time because I've seen a lot, even just on lower pitches that they end up almost peeling off of it because they're trying to get that high finish too, too early. Yeah. And in my pitching lessons, I really try to preach like speed up. And once you get your speed up, we can work on getting a rise ball because when you're throwing a hitters they're not going to be able to hit the rise ball because um the backspin angle not hot enough 
Exactly. I even, I've even taught some of my lessons, like how to locate their screwball up before they're, you know, if they're, some girls are just not set up for rise balls, but yeah. um, a lot of girls are not. Set up. <laughs> so, but being able to locate something up in the zone is a, is a talent that you need to have regardless if it's a rise ball or not. Yeah. And location is big key. And if you can locate something that moves somewhere upper in the zone, that's helpful. Yeah. And the reason why I tell them to get feet up for the rise ball is because throwing rise ball, you are defying gravity. Yeah. They're going to be slower. And so you can't be throwing them at 46 miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's going to drop. Sorry. Even if you have the right. Even if you're a 46 mile an hour backspin pitch is not going to move. So I'll let you know it'll drop probably about 230 feet away from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for now, if you're learning the rise spin, at least try to throw it high and locate the inside. Yeah. Outside. Get good uh, at locating your fastball first in those yeah. spots and go from there because I feel like. You do that at rise ball, learning how to throw it where you want it, it's a little bit easier. But, you know, you're the more rise ball expert, so. Well, so what I teach my kids is stay low with your fastball and locate inside, outside. Um, and the, the the high pitch, like, a lot of – they throw it way too often. Like, the high pitch should be, like, a two-strike pitch. It should not be, like, all the time. Yeah. And so I tell them to focus more on the low pitch because that's when you're going to get more called strikes. Um, And then for the high pitch, um, I kind of only really have them focus on that if if I feel like I'm setting them up for the rise ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, well, obviously the pitch calling in those age groups is kind of where it's at. And I know... I know UCLA has some great coaches over there. It's just they're I really feel like they will play a more competitive game with them the next time they're around. But um this game was not theirs. Yeah. <laughs> and Oklahoma obviously was playing with a chip on their shoulders. I'm really impressed with Oklahoma because obviously this past week where they were number two is the first time they were number two in two years. And when you're number one day in and day out, I feel like it's easy to get complacent. And I don't know what Patty Gasso puts in their water, but (laughs) they are never, they're never really complacent. And it's like they are, I don't know what they're striving for. I mean, obviously a championship, but everybody, you know, everybody in the country wants a championship. So I don't know what it is that they do, but they do such a great job at continually striving to be better, even though they're essentially the best. They're number one. You know, they've won the past two years. Yeah. And that they came out hungry, which is something that I don't often see in higher ranked teams, especially in February. <laughs> well, what I, th- what I see in Oklahoma is they all buy in on a concept. So for Oklahoma, it's religion. They're all Christian, and they all buy in. They're all very close with each other. They're sisters. That is super important in a team. So 
other teams need to find something they can buy in on. Religion tends to be the like easiest thing to choose because that's what a lot of people can buy in on. Yep. Which I don't even know. I can't have another example um, to buy in on. Um, just like having that team aspect and have everyone come together for that one common goal the one thing that that they can all agree upon anyway okay i wanted to go back on the rise ball thing um so when i have a kid that can throw a good spin i usually understand how important this is that you get this because not everyone can throw rise ball yeah and that's what's gonna that's what's gonna get you strikeouts instead of ground outs or pop flies. Being able to throw that rise ball is super important because it's it it's a little bit harder to do the the back end swing. Maybe that's why teach the the long ball is because it's easier to just drop your hands and just go for it. Yep, it's easier for yeah. sure. Um, I think if you want to be, it's hard to be a strikeout pitcher as a drop, like a drop ball girl, but yeah, you, know, you get a lot of outs, ground outs, um, but you got to be good at placement. Rise balls obviously are the ones that have the higher strikeout percentage. And if you're lucky enough to have both of those, then you're going to get a lot of strikeouts. <laughs> yeah. And if you're lucky enough to play against Oklahoma, then that, you're going to need to figure something else out, but <laughs> Because I feel like I feel like some of the, some of these lessons they think that it's normal to have like a really good all five pitches. Yeah, no, not. <laughs> no, you should no. focus on two or three pitches and have an yeah. off speed as one of them. I would rather. I mean, I only threw two pitches. I mean, you're you only threw two or three, really yeah. mostly. Why have five good ones when you can have two great ones? Yeah, I literally. Like, what was my balls always? It was a rise in, right? Rise in. Yeah. Right. Against Oklahoma, I had to do rise drop in, but against Oklahoma, I did rise and change. Yeah. It was, it's good. It's boring out there in the outfield when there's 14 strikeouts every game. <laughs> but the more, um, the more fun it is. Yeah, sometimes I would get something out there. I remember the first time Coach Jay put me in left field. I had normally been playing right. Mm-hmm. Uh, was against Oklahoma at home, and we had, like, sold out. There's, like, people standing on the street because they didn't get into the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Coach, are you sure this is the day, like, you want to stick me in <laughs> Like, I know I can play it, but I was like, this is the day, huh? <laughs> and I remember Sydney Romero hit this ball at me and I swear I might as well have just been playing third base because it came so fast <laughs> I mean it was literally just a line drive straight to me and talk about some backspin sucker right there because it I mean I barely even moved but she hit it just square just square <laughs> at me yeah uh, we lost that game in 10 innings 1-0 to because Allah yeah. I remember that She's, I, she's the reason we lost a lot of those games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've, uh, I am like kind of friends with some of the Oklahoma softball players and I've gone and, and after I 
done playing Tulsa. I've I've against some of the players, and they they always at least foul off my rise ball, which is amazing to me because most hitters cannot even touch it. Yep, it's true. <laughs> I witnessed it. It's the it's the backspin approach. Yep. Yep, and I even feel like they they obviously had way better at bats like against you or you know, they might like I said, like they barrel it up, but it's not it's not over. I mean, because you're ha- you I feel like obviously you're you were in the top in the nation for strikeouts, so obviously something was moving more than most. But um, they were obviously seeing it. It's just the matter of hitting it. Yeah. Same thing. But I had written these statistics down to kind of go with my opinion on the swings. Um, Speaking of Oklahoma, and obviously the two greatest home run hitters in recent times, Joyce Lanallo and Lauren Chamberlain, two people that we played against, um, two people that – I've seen hit many home runs against our team. So um, obviously they're both examples of people that used backspin to their advantage given the program they went to. But let's, I wanted to kind of prove a point because if, if you're only swinging for home runs, now I just want to mention, I looked at Joyce and Allo's career batting average and it was well over 400 well over 400 career Career, like all five years well over 400 okay I wish I hit 401 in one year but regardless so her total at bats for the entire career she had in college was 771 okay she I'm gonna use the word only very loosely here she only hit (laughs) 122 home runs. Oh. <laughs> okay. Only. So if you're only swinging for the potential of home runs, I so I took out her her hits total. I just totaled her batting average based off of home runs and obviously her bat. So her batting average would be 158. 158. Now that's not the best. So why are we swinging for home runs only when the best home run hitter, she had 343 career hits, 100 of those were home runs, okay? Like, you're, you're cutting out nearly two-thirds of her hits, yeah. and that's crazy. Same thing for Lauren Shamlin, 95 home runs, 607 ABs, Average would be 156 if she didn't hit anything else. Yeah. So that just doesn't make any sense to me. The game is not about home runs. And I feel like part of their success is because they aren't swinging for home runs, that they get on base, that they make things happen. Those teams, in my opinion, that are swinging for home runs are the ones that fizzle out in postseason because they're facing more elite pitching each step of the way. And that. That stops home runs. I think the most important stats for hitters are on base per- on base percentage and RBIs. Yeah, I mean, 
you can have a lower batting average and be a huge impact because you're hitting situationally to get RBIs, move runners, get on base, like just being smart. As a hitter, that's really what the game is about. Yeah, and I've had parents, just people talk to me about how, well, so-and-so strikes out almost every time they're up to bat, but when they don't strike out, it's a home run. So that's okay, right? And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> that's, that's some money that would be sitting the bench if I was the coach. <laughs> yeah, like, you stop swinging for the fences like that. Just be a team player. No. Um, that's – I agree. I think there's somebody that I played with that she – she hit the ball so far, but for the most time, she was striking out. And it's she and she didn't get to play a lot. Um, she was mainly a pinch hitter because, you know, pinch hitting is hard anyway. But, I mean, I would much rather get on base way more. If I had to pick to be a high average hitter or a home run hitter, I would pick high average every time. I mean, obviously, Joyce and Ella was both. But... You know, that's rare. Not everybody can do this. Not everybody is a home run hitter. So I think we need to stop acting like everybody can hit loads of home runs. It's just not nobody. Not everybody's built the same. Not everybody's going to throw 70 miles an hour. Not everybody's going to hit the ball 300 feet. Yeah. And that's coming from someone who had you had a really level swing and you were able to get the ball in play. Yep. And you've hit some good home runs. You hit one over right field as a righty. Yeah. Like, uh, do you do a lot of hitting? What? Sorry. Do you do a lot of hitting lessons? I have several. Yes. Yeah. So anyone that takes lessons from you, make sure you listen to her because um, I will vouch for you that you know what you're talking about. Thank you. Thank you. I think Coach Jay even said too that. I don't, I'm not trying to brag on myself, but he was saying that like Haley has a lot of raw power. Like you watch me in batting practice. I can hit the ball over the fence, you know, like yeah. you, you throw me pretty good. I can hit it out there, yeah. but that's not a approach to take in the game. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, well, we, I just bragged about myself for 30 minutes. So it's okay for you to brag about yourself. for. <laughs> It happens. I, I, I like to pride myself that when I hit home runs, it mattered more versus kind of just like the everyday home run. I mean, I obviously would be nice to hit home runs every game, but I felt like for me, it came through when it mattered. And it was more because I hit that opposite field home run. I was legitimately just trying to get on base. Yeah. I didn't even think it went over. I thought it was going to hit the fence and I was just going to have to bust my tail because we were tied. If you watch the video of that swing, it was a regular swing. Yes. I mean, there's never been a time where I swung out of my shoes and actually hit the ball. (laughs) And that's why I'm hitting because that was hard for me. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that is a big, big thing that I talk with my lessons about. Like the smoother more controlled that you can be, it's going to be a better swing rather than the one you swing out of your shoes. And I think you can see that with Oklahoma. Obviously, as you get better and stronger, the more power you can put in and then also control gives you the power in your swing. But yes, going wild is not it. Quick explosive hands without thinking that as hard as you can. 
I even I, I, I screen recorded Jada Coleman's home run swing and it's very, very, very level. I showed it to many of my um, lessons because it was a high pitch. She Beryl was almost even with her hands. I mean, beautiful swing. So Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we're going to wrap it up now. We just wanted to talk about OU, why they were getting hits off of high pitches. And um, there were comments in your comment section about you know, how they got those really good level swings off of UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Now you know. (laughs) Now you know. 